You're listening to Bridge the Gap Season 3, a podcast dedicated to inform, educate, and influence the future of housing and services for seniors. Powered by supporting partners, One Day, TIS Insurance, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more about this podcast at btgvoice.com. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, the senior living podcast with Josh and Lucas. Exciting show on deck for today. We're so glad that you're listening in. We've got a guest on, Doug Leidig, CEO of Asbury Communities. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you very much. It's a privilege and honor to be here. Absolutely, Josh. We've had a great pre-roll conversation with Doug. Um, you know, we've crossed paths at different conferences, and we've seen Doug in the media and running an incredible organization there. Um, and we're definitely we want to dive into your history first, but uh, we're also going to dive into some initiatives that you have going on at your company in an acronym that spells out LEAD. And we're going to talk specifically about the D, which is data. And I'm looking forward to diving into that. Before we do, let's talk about your history. Oh, sure. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Um, it goes way back when, actually, when I was 12 years old, I used to deliver uh, nurse uh, papers for a retirement community in our backyard. And uh, that's where a route that should have taken me 45 minutes took me an hour and a half because I would just sit and talk to the residents. And that's where I really truly became, had started to have an interest in, in seniors and, and what this was all about, because obviously I didn't know much about the industry at that point in time. And when I became 16, uh, a good friend of ours who went to our church was a nursing home administrator. And he said, uh, and this is in the early 80s before you had to be certified and, and a lot of the regulations we have today. Um, if you wanted to learn about the industry, come work for me. So I started working as a nursing assistant, housekeeping, laundry, maintenance, uh, you name it. If it was licensed, I worked it. And that's where I you know, really solidified uh, my passion for the industry and what we do. Uh, you know, and, and it's as much the sacred work as we do as also just the opportunity. Um, you know, when you're 16 and uh, it was a high Medicaid nursing home. Um, and a lot of the residents didn't have family members. And one of the jobs as a nursing assistant and the, and the philosophy of that nursing home was making sure nobody ever died alone. So when, I'm, when you're 16 and holding the hands of somebody you don't really know as they pass, just leaves an impression, you know, like said, that was 35 years ago. Um, and I still get goosebumps thinking about it. You can still see their names and their faces. And, you know, that just drove me to say, hey, we, we, have a, we have a duty here. We have a higher purpose. Um, and I think there's a lot we can do. I mean, uh, that's, so from there on, it just sort of uh, went from there. I went to college uh, with a BS in long-term care administration, continued my work, went on and got my master's after a few years of, uh, of working in the field. So, yeah, I've been in it for a long time, and I've seen a lot of evolution, and I see what great opportunity we do have. Wow. You know, what a story. A couple of things I want to pick out of what you just said, um, and I'll go back to I want to hear more about the some of the stories maybe that you had <laughs> that stick out from the – the paper route, because I can't imagine how many awesome stories came from that to help shape you into to who you are today. But tell us a little bit more about, you know, I think it's fascinating where you started from as a nursing assistant to leading one of the larger organizations in our industry today as a CEO and what that taught you about career pathways, which is a, you know, a term we hear a lot now. Um, and I think so many organizations are trying to share with people outside of our industry, like, hey, we welcome you because there's so many opportunities. What are some things that you learned along the way that you've implemented in your organization to help people realize the pathways? That's a good question. And when I reflect back, um, 
I had three mentors and they were the one, they're the reasons. And I think that was, they, they gave me opportunities. They gave me, um, um, they exposed me to things that I normally would not have been able to, to been a part of, you know, when, when you're 16 or 17 and, and the nursing home administrator, Charlie Kine was his name, um, would take me to a conference or two. I mean, I, I, that was something. So I got to hear things at, at a very young age. And I think mentoring the next generation is sort of a philosophy that, you know, that, we're, that we have and is an important part of this industry. And it's also about telling our story because I remember there's not a lot of people from outside our industry coming in, right? There's a great opportunity there. There's a great story to tell. But when I came out of college, you know, the, the, uh, I was given my first nursing home at 24 years old. So I'm running a nursing home at 24. And, but that's what I would not have normally got that experience, but I, got, I had a great mentor and he, and he worked with me and, and helped me and really helped jettison my career. And I think that's important for us. We need to take some risk. We need to take... Uh, we, we need to give people opportunity because they, you know, those who come to our industry is not because it's a sexy industry and it's, you know, you can make tons and tons of money. It's because of that higher purpose. So what we have to do is really identify those individuals and, and bring them in and, and help. So I think mentoring was, was, is, is certainly the reason that uh, uh, a significant reason why I'm here today. And then I think the other part was that um, I got a chance to do more than just the job itself. Right. So, when you're a nursing home administrator, when you're an executive director, it's everything from bedpans to boilers, right? I mean, you get to do a lot of different things and, and being involved in all those different areas and having access to it uh, really helps shape some ideas and thoughts. And then you start seeing the opportunity. So, you know, you change people's experiences to change their beliefs. And I got a lot of different experiences, which really helped me, you know, believe about our industry. I think that's sort of, if I had to sum up the 35 years, I think they're the, they're the categories I would focus on. Wow. That's really amazing. And, you know, Lucas, that's one of the whole reasons why we started this podcast was to take these experiences just like Doug sharing with us and to share it to the masses. Doug, take us back now to where it kind of all began, your first touch points with elders, with older people as a as a very young person. Um, you know, what are one or two of the stories that stuck out to you to this day that maybe you could share with our audience? I think, I think the big, the first one really is when you, when I go back to the, the paper out days, it was that they all just were, they embraced me, right? They embraced this kid and they followed me through my junior high school and high school and up to graduation. And my brother ultimately got the route after I did. So when I came back from college, you know, they were, I create a lot of friendships and, you know, Christmas time and things like that. You just had a chance to sit and tell stories I remember when I was a, a nursing assistant, uh, one of the one of the residents, an older an older lady, I can, uh, I can still see her today, started sitting down talking to her, and I found out her husband was a major league umpire, and she routinely uh, entertained Babe Ruth, Joe DiMaggio. I mean, at her house. I mean, she had personal relate. Now you know, they were obviously since gone, but you know the stories. I'm like, man, fascinating stories. And when I was a nursing home administrator, especially coming out of right, right out of college, still learning, getting my feet wet, having um, you know working with with teams that were older than myself, and what's this twenty four year old kid know? Um, they when I thought I was having a bad day, I could go down and sit down and have conversations with some of these residents and what they've been through in their life. You realize, wow, my day's not so bad, right? And my life's not so bad. I'm really good, and they can share a perspective, you know. And I think that helps again going with keeping you grounded, keeping your, your experiences. Um, and I will say that when I was the administrator, when I could start talking shop, 
with all those managers of housekeeping and laundry and nursing. It was sort of a, while I still had to earn my stripes, there was still a little bit more of appreciation saying, okay, you've been here, you've done this, you know, you're not just some guy who went to college and coming in and becoming also a, a, a manager. Uh, so I think that was just a, an incredible uh, help and assist to me. But um, yeah, I, you know, there's tons of stories like that. And I think that's what's so exciting about our field is that uh, there are, and, and those residents want to give back, right? They, they want to give back. They want to share their wisdom. They want to share their knowledge. They want to be engaged. They want to still be purposeful. And so we owe it to them to create those opportunities and, and create that lifestyle and, and communities that, that honor that. Well, you know, I think there's a certain magic kind of chemistry that happens when older people and young people, those generations come together. Um, it's really hard. I've seen through the years, even in, in the communities, when we bring young kids into the communities for programs to see how those young kids, just their eyes kind of get opened wider and the, the smiles get bigger, uh, you know, on, on the older generation, the values that are shared and the energy back and forth. It's evident that that's what helped to shape. You. Okay. So now as we transition in our conversation, I mean, you've had this amazing wealth of experience that has enabled you to be a great leader in our industry and for your organization. So now in the present, what are some of the things that you're walking your organization through as you're growing that would be great positive uh, implications that all of us in the industry could also be paying attention to and learning from? Sure, sure. That's that's a that's a loaded question. There's a lot to that, and, and I and I think that um, when I although I was in this organization for 20 years in multiple roles, you know, when I became CEO, they're saying, "Okay, so what do you want us to focus on?" And, and it boiled down to what I call lead. And the L in that is listen to those closest to the process. And obviously, as I just shared, that goes back to my roots, right? Those, if we want to change the way we do business, if, if we want to truly become better as an organization. Well, we can have, it's, it's not the leaders, it's the, not the managers. It's those who work in this day, day, day in and day out to say, hey, how can we improve? What can we do better? Uh, not just from a perspective of uh, how we can help them as an associate, but how do we help the rest? What do we need to do differently? So, again, and that's not saying that we, that we do everything we're told, but as part of our decision-making process, we need to have that diversity around the table from multiple levels of the organization to say, what's your thought process? So um, that, that's one. Then the E is uh, engaging and empowering our, our associates in a non-anxious way. You know, I think traditionally, you know, we all know that we make, you make better decisions when you're calm and you're, you're, when you're just thinking through the process. Uh, so we have to engage and empower and make sure people are in a, in a, not in a relaxed uh, atmosphere when, when they do it. And we have to create that type of culture. And then it's okay to have a little bit of fun while you're making tough decisions, right? We, it doesn't all have to be the stress, right? We can, we can have some fun through this and then let's, let's get to the other side. Uh, the A is ask why, why not, and what if. Now, this is the part that I have focused a lot on over the last two or three years because when, you're, when you want to change business and the way you do business, you, know, you have to ask why. So when I first came, became CEO, I went out and did a listening tour to all our communities. And I was asking, you know, tell me, tell me what we're doing. You know, so why are we doing things? So was, I had a, uh, a person that was in one of our home care companies said, why do I fill out this form and send it into your, the corporate office every day or every week? Yeah, I don't know. I'll check out. So I came back here. Nobody knew. So it was just like it was something that was in our DNA. So we, we quickly stopped that. So then that started the ball rolling. People saying, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? 
the why not is when somebody says, hey, let's try something new, and they say no, right? People say no, well, ask why not a couple of times. And then you'll truly realize, well, is it, is it viable or is it not, right? Because once you get to the third why not, very similar to this, off, this office that we designed, when I took away 30 offices, we're an open workspace, hybrid working space. People said, I need an office, I need an office. Well, I'm asking why and why not? And ultimately it came down to, well, you really don't, right? Because nobody's behind a closed door eight hours a day, five days a week. And then the, the, the what if is the innovation. That's when we can start dreaming and really talking about how we changed our business. And if everybody, all 2,400 associates started asking, what, what if we did this? What if we did that? That's where the exciting part, right? That's where you can move things forward. And then the D is in data. You know, we, we don't access that. We know that's the future. We know we can say we do good care. We, we provide certain data. You know, we, we, we're a good workforce, et cetera. But when you have the data to back that up, one, it helps you tell your story. But two, the data is also helping leaders and managers putting tools in their, in, in their hands to say, here's another set of data points that you can use to make your decisions. Not that every decision is all about data, but that, if that's part of the decision process, well, I think we just make better business decisions. So, you know, and I'm a pretty simple guy, so it's easy for me to remember, too. And it's an easy story to tell. And, and I think that's, we have a tendency in this industry to make things very complex. Uh, so I think if we, you know, we continue to, to, to boil it down to lead, and I think that's starting to really resonate within the industry and, and, and our company. Well, so for those note takers out there, a quick quiz. So lead is listen, engage, and empower, ask the questions, and the data. So I love that. Uh, I think that's easy for our listeners. Hold up. You know, that's a though i mean uh, each one of those topics you know the data one in uh, specifically I, I know even in our organization that's much smaller than yours we get inundated with data right and we've got all these systems capturing all this data but i think one of the things and and i'd like to know your perspective on this is it's one thing to just capture all the data but I don't know if I'm on an island here, but I, I know a lot of times I see all these dashboards and this data and you're like, what the heck do I do with all this? You know, what are, how, how do you guys deal with that? I know you're capturing a lot of data, but what's the real, how do we turn that into useful information? Uh, and that's a good question. And I think we, we struggle with that because again, we don't even realize how much data is out there. And then, you know, as we work on becoming an automated and integrated system, that's even gonna, you know, explode even farther. But if you, if you think about lead, you go back, listen to the closest process. We don't, we should not be collecting data just to collect data and create a nice little bar chart. We need to listen to the closest data and say, what, what do you need to know? What, what can we do? What, 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 you know, like nursing on this rule, I can really use this, this point because I'm not sure how, what we're doing. Right. And, and we're getting that data to them. So we're creating dashboards and we're using data in terms of not just what I want or what our CFO wants, because that's why we can get down very granular, but it's very useful for the people and the so we're responding and listening from them to tell us what they want versus us saying, here's what it is. Um, and then the second part of that is that we are actually, you know, because we have our own IT company, we, we have a lot of opportunities to control and, and really expedite these. We're going to bring on, uh, like a better term, data scientists or data analysts to come in and help us with that. Because, again, I, I think I know that if somebody's fallen, you, 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 there's a couple points. You know, you check their, their physical therapy, you check their diet, you check their meds. But there's probably about 20 other points, data points we should be looking at to really true, make a true assessment. But if you have somebody comes in here and really knows about data and says, hey, let's start connecting all these different dots, well, then all of a sudden we've just become a lot better. 
um, at, at our decision making and our analytics. So yeah, there's a lot to do with it. But again, it can't be just to fill fill a page worth of bar charts. Yeah, well, I think that's great information, and, and you know, I know from just talking to other ind- industry professionals, regardless of the organizational size we're all kind of facing those same challenges. And I think applying those lead principles, that's a really, I think, great formulized way for us to break it down and kind of keep on track and stay focused on really what's important because um, it, it can just be really overwhelming. And, you know, I, I think uh, it's one, it's overwhelming even at, at, at your level, you know, at the C-suite as leaders, but you have to think, oh my gosh, if it's overwhelming for us and then you've got the hands and the feet of the operation that are down there with all this data as well, um, how, how it could, you know, if we're not really careful, it's almost counterproductive all that we're pushing down to them. If it, if it's not meaningful to what they're doing. So great. That's a good point. And and if I can, I can just share a little bit further. Like, you know, if you want to talk about, okay, we'll turn over. I can look at a, system-wide turnover and say, oh, we have a 50%, 60%. Oh, we've got a turnover problem. Well, that's a generalization. But when you break it down and you look at, hey, we've got two communities that have high turnover. So then you start talking to those managers. What do we need to do? Here's what your data is saying. How can we help collect this? And then you start solving the problem because now we're not making eight, seven communities do something different. We're focusing on one or two and bringing them up. And all of a sudden, we, we fix the problem. So I think that's what we've done in the past. And I think that's why we couldn't move forward because we're looking at everything at a system level when you can break that down and get down to those managers' hands and say, your turnover is 75%, we're going to be very focused with you and your training and, and, and then how you recruit or how you onboard. And now you start solving your problems, right? Now we're really getting into detail. And that's how you start fixing from, from the, you know, those close process. So uh, good point. And that's, and that's how you have to look at this. You can't look at that as a, all from the big picture. Then tell the true story. Yeah. I mean, it's great information. And, you know, I think, one of the things that, you know, I personally so appreciate, uh, and it's, it's one of the things that I think you touched on in, in the beginning of your story is you had great mentors that brought you along in the industry. And I think today what we're talking about, um, these kind of conversations need to happen more, um, because the experiences that you've learned and that other leaders have learned, um, passing that information down and helping learn from each other. You know, I hope that's one of the key things that we achieve through this podcast. And we so appreciate you uh, taking time out of your super busy schedule to just share some of your insight and be very transparent. Um, That's one of the cool things about our industry that Lucas and I have talked about so much that we think separates senior living, senior housing, the aging services from a lot of other divisions people that have lasted in this industry and that are, are here, they're here because they're passionate about people and, and they're compassionate people. And, and so the collaboration is something that I think really sets our industry apart. And critical to our success. We cannot do this alone, right? We, we there's just no, we don't have the resources. We can't do it. So the more we can collaborate and partnership and it's truly viewed that way versus one being the dominant player, uh, the better off we'll be. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. And in getting this exposure and storytelling to people outside our industry is going to be critical. You know, they bring different, you know, five of my last eight executive hires have all been outside this industry and they've brought a different perspective. And I know some of them thought, well, that's going to be a stopgap for a year or two. Well, they, they've, they've become, 
they, they realize what we're all about. And, you know, someone were here three, four, five years saying, I never thought I was going to be here this long. So they're the great things to do. And if we can cast that wide net by these podcasts and if others hear about us, I think it's just phenomenal. And again, I want to applaud you for, for, the, for the job you guys are doing with this. Well, thanks, Doug. You know, on that note to round out the show, the deck has been reshuffled uh, in our world, so to speak, given the pandemic. And I think that workforce and labor, um, I know you don't have a crystal ball. No one does. Um, but there's a major opportunity as that deck has been reshuffled. People's career paths have been drastically shifted. And, um, you know, we want to get the word out there since you got such a, you were influenced at such a young age, talk to that person out there that, uh, is either had that major shift at any age, but specifically for the younger people that said, you know what, I thought I was going to be a general manager at a hotel for the rest of my life, or I thought I was going to run a restaurant or whatever that may be. What would you say to those people about the senior living industry? Yeah. Filter out the noise. Because I will tell you when I, when I, in 1985, when I went to college and I told people I I have my major's long-term care administration, they were looking at me like, what? Right. You know, why you want to do go do what some retired ministers do, where it was a lot of feedback. But, you know, and these guys were marketing or accounting. And, and, and even when you come out of college, these these individuals may go to, you know, a big accounting firm and make a lot more money initially. But long term, this is a great industry. We're, while we're not recession proof and we're, and we're not pandemic proof, we play a viable role. Healthcare does in general. And that includes independent living assistance skills. So I think when you talk about a career path that has lots of opportunities, and, it, and, and a lot of us are diversifying our, our, our revenue stream. So, you know, we have an IT company. We now have a pharmacy. We have home care. We have home health. We've got a PACE program. You can come in at one level and, and, and expand to multiple different business lines. And so, so not only from a career path, but also from a security perspective, healthcare is going to be here in some form or another and, and lifestyle and community. So I would say that fill out the noise if you're passionate about you know, making a difference and having a higher purpose, which we hear a lot about the millennials are. You know, they want that higher purpose. Wow, what a better field. And a, and a field that is thirsty for new things. So I think you could come in, anybody can come in and put their fingerprint in this industry at a very young age and have lots of career uh, career success. And others like myself are, are anxious to do that and help. Doug Leidig, CEO of Asbury Communities. Excellent conversation. What a wonderful way to end and round out the show with a great comment there. Thank you for taking time out of the busy schedule uh, and and taking time from your organization to to teach us and tell those love stories. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Again, thank you for for inviting me and thank you for all you're doing. And and, uh, I look forward to your future podcast. Absolutely. Well, Josh, like we say, we, uh, you know, to all the people, all of our audience and listeners to the senior living industry, the people that are out on the front lines, we, we, uh, we're thinking of you, you guys are heroes. You're not forgotten and we're rooting for you. And, uh, thanks everybody for listening to another great episode of bridge the gap. For a full library of episodes, merchandise, and the 2020 conference tour schedule, visit btgvoice.com. Join the conversation on social media by following at BTG Voice, and we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode.